Hello and welcome back to Back to Fundamentals, our podcast series. Uh, my name is Robert Campbell. I'm head of oil products research here at Energy Aspects. Today, I'll be speaking with my colleagues, uh, Sandra Octavia and Kuhn Vessels in uh, London, who help with the coverage of oil, global oil products. And certainly, it's been a very interesting uh, period for for this for our markets uh, with what has happened in Texas. Um, you know, the guys like. How? What's the best way to 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 frame this for people? I mean, how should we how should we understand the the size of this event? Well, I think that you know, with the massive freeze off event, it's essentially that one um, unprecedented event, much like the phrase that we've used for a lot of last year, um, right? That pretty much um helped with the oversupply situation that we we're seeing um, in the west of Suez. I think that single-handedly um, has helped um, to brighten the outlook for um, gasoline um, balances going forward in particular. Yeah, and if I can add to that, what another way to frame this um, is that it has accelerated the, the rebalancing of the, of the uh, Western oil products uh, markets. So indeed, like Sandra said, this will this has taken the freeze-offs and the refinery shutdowns have taken roughly 20 million barrels of uh, gasoline production offline um, uh, and another say 10 uh, 10 to 12 million barrels of diesel uh, production as well um, which has just accelerated a bit of the rebalancing that was going on already in the Atlantic basin uh, especially on the gasoline side but now also a bit on the uh, diesel side. However, um, it will be in the end, it will be diesel that will have to now be kind of sacrificed, uh, for lack of a better word, um, to help US refiners rebuild gasoline stocks uh, again ahead of the summer. Yeah, we're expecting uh, the U.S. refiners to run pretty hard in the spring uh, to make up the, the deficit because, uh, I mean, the interesting analog here is you're looking at a gasoline market that could, I think it's important to emphasize, could end up looking a lot like 2015, where uh, we just were not able to build stocks in the spring. And uh, the, that was consequently supportive for price throughout the summer market, even though there were you know not really any other major developments. And, you know, the while we're all sort of still in the pre in you know, the pandemic level driving that maybe gives us a window of opportunity to get out of this and uh you know i think the the interesting thing is the refinery recovery is perhaps being slower than some people at the market were, were suggesting and mm-hmm. um and and yet now that we're coming into the second week of this i think we'll actually see runs really ramp up a lot so um, it's interesting. How's how's Asia going to react to this situation? I mean, yeah, I was just going to say, right, not to say that this freeze-off situation um, has just been limited to um, the west of Suez um, markets, because um, in the east of Suez, um, the markets were already pretty supported because um, we were heading into the seasonally stronger peak turnaround season, and this year um, turnarounds in Asia will peak um, in April and May. Um, with several capacities, with some capacities offline um, through March as well. So it was already supported. And then, you know, with this big freeze off and obviously um, with the refineries um, in in the Gulf Coast of the US, um, unable to um, provide as much supply to their um, Latin American neighbors, um, the shorts in LATAM will increasingly have to look at other markets um, where 
you know, they can get big, where they can get um, some of their product supply from. And Asia, of course, is um, prime candidate for that, given that we continue to see overcapacity and oversupply um, in the East. Um, just to give an idea, um, even as China is heading into turn peak turnarounds um, over April, um, we're still expecting um, March export program for gasoline and diesel to be really strong. Um, gasoline, for, in for instance, um, is expected to come in at anywhere between 1.4 to 1.6 million tons, which is um, considerably higher um, than what we were seeing um, at the end of last year. Whereas for diesel, it continues to climb higher towards 2.3 million tons um, of you know, um, planned exports for March, let's say. So it's really um, indicative of um, strength and product supply that we're seeing out of China. Yeah. And I mean, we're still stuck in this uh, pandemic type of demand structure where, you know, there's not a lot of jet demand. Uh, certainly in the West, people are not driving the way they used to. Um, so, you know, what is what does all this mean for us on the on the middle distillate side? Well, so, so there are a few things going on in the middle of this site. So first of all, um, like you said, Rob, we expect refinery runs to start increasing in the, uh, uh, in the US. We, we are currently tracking around 8.2 million barrels, um, for March, um, for, for path three runs. And we expect these to increase to 8.9 roughly by, by June. Um, this just means that there will be uh, a lot more diesel coming coming out of the US, uh, perhaps more than that they actually need. Um, we we expect currently that diesel exports are probably going to nudge more towards uh, 0.7 million barrels uh, a day out of the US Gulf Coast, which, which is roughly in line with 2019 levels. Um, these need to go somewhere. Um, obviously, this will put pressure as well on on uh, Arbob uh, um, on the Arbob HO spread. Once that starts happening, you will get more of the flows heading towards either towards uh, your typical export markets like Latin America, um, where there there are some uh, supply uh, issues currently, as we've seen in Brazil, um, as well as uh, towards Europe. Um, once that starts happening again, and with with some of the runs uh, uh, increasing in the east, likely we will start seeing um, more flows from both than the U.S. as well as the east heading into Europe, putting pressure on European prices. Yeah, Brazil's got this issue with the uh, the trucker strikes that have led the government to uh, withdraw some of their fuel taxes uh, to the point that Petrobras is warning they won't necessarily be able to supply all the diesel that everybody wants because of the turnaround program that we have. And this is really driving some, you know, a jump in consumption, which is interesting. I mean, another market where we see, you know, just this pressure on the demand side really is um, the fuel oil market. It's particularly the the very low sulfur fuel oil market. And, uh, you know, it's just like everybody, everybody wants a piece of that, of that, you know, we see ship fuel, very strong demand. Obviously now our FCC margins with what's happening in gasoline have turned positive just about everywhere. Um, you can really get into the weeds and talk about lubricants being strong. Um, you know, there's, there really is just massive, massive competition for the, uh, for what's going on in the, um, uh, in the in the low sulfur space and the in the in the fuel oil, but and yet we see the big a big spread with with high sulfur fuel oil right now. Um, should we expect that to carry on? I think that the high five spread looks a bit 
too wide for the moment, right? I mean, I, I do think that, all right, let's backtrack a little. Um, I think the start of the year has been has set things up um, really well for um, VLSFO to rally, right? Um, towards the latter half of, towards the end of last year, we started to track uh, lower exports coming out of Brazil as a result of, you know, um, issues at the refineries, et cetera, that um, Rob and Kuhn has, have just um, touched upon. Um, and at the same time in Asia, we also did see an um, unexpected lift in utility demand because LNG prices were so high. So particularly in places such as uh, Japan and Korea, um, where the utilities there were definitely burning um, more um, LSFO grade um, material, um, refineries have had to start um, refineries have had to start 2021 by diverting um, quite a bit of their LSFO production um, into rebuilding their inventories um, rather than sending these cargoes out um, into the region, which is why VLSFO um, markets at the start of the year through Q1, I would, uh, through Q1 actually, I want to say, um, will remain um, pretty tight for the region. But having said that, because of um, how strongly um, prices have reacted, Asia has now attracted quite um, a number of barrels coming in from the other regions as well. We've seen fixtures coming in um, a lot more from um, the European side. And with these barrels expecting to hit the Singapore market um, anywhere from the second half of March onwards, I do think that the VLSFO market will have to see some correction downward um, in the coming weeks. I mean, um, at the prompt, we're seeing that high five spread still um, flying above $120 per ton. Um, well, on the deferred side of things, we've, we've seen some correction in the spreads, um, but I do think that there's still definitely some more room to go, especially with, as we head into Q2. I mean, with HSFO as well, expecting uh, expected to... Um, get you know seasonally stronger as we get into um, the summer season so that just sort of set things up for a narrower spread in the coming months i do think yeah and i mean i guess with the spread between fuel oil and uh and diesel now we've actually got a, a, a fairly decent coking margin uh for the first time in a very long time something we noticed in the u.s is that the u.s gulf coast refiners have been more than happy to uh to run a very light crude slate to spare their their secondary units because of the poor profitability of their secondary units and um and that may be changing now you know we, we should probably start to see uh a bit more of a willingness on the part of those refiners to 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 run a heavier barrel than before um you know because the, the real issue in the u.s is that the vgo is enormously expensive right now and uh you know if they want to increase fcc utilization um to get more vgo they really have to you know make it run a heavier slate uh, or you know run their cokers harder to 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 create cat feed that way so you know it's interesting i mean so just to just to back up i mean in some ways we're looking at a an oil products market where you know many pieces of the puzzle have fallen into place uh obviously we're still in the demand side which is you know expected to be weak into the spring uh until the vaccine rollouts uh start to get traction um but you know pet chems are still very strong and now with that you've got gasoline needing to to rebuild um diesel you know maybe potentially challenged by uh the higher run rates they're expecting and the, the the jet yields needing to come down from where they were beforehand because of the higher runs 
uh, and then fuel oil, the bottom of the barrel, which which has a lot of interest, uh, obviously on the demand side. So, you know, what's what's going to derail this? I think is the question everybody's asking because um, you know we've seen gasoline go to a ten cent premium over heating oil in the U.S. Uh, at least in the you know the forward couple months on the futures market, but is not so strong further out. I mean, what is the market trying to tell us? I think the main weakness that could derail this is um, the lack that chat continues to underperform. If chat continues to underperform, you you basically need to keep your your you need to keep your jet yields low as a refinery. Um, you can't raise runs too much um, because you will run again into uh, capacity constraints on on your side, um, as well as you you need to output more middle distillates or diesel in this case, as well as um, uh, NAFTA, just to keep your jet yields in check. Um, this causes some, some, this just prolongs the imbalance that we discussed at the very start of, of um, our talk, uh, especially in Atlantic Basin diesel markets, because um, like you said, Rob, we don't expect demand to meaningfully start picking up until the spring. Like the the vaccination rollout is still progressing um, in some parts of Europe, it's it's going faster, say in the UK, than in other uh, parts of Europe, like in, in France or in Germany. Uh, this could still jeopardize like much of the summer-related travel that you usually see in uh, in Europe, which is very uh, peaky market, uh, if you want to call it during during like summer months. Um, We're definitely not going to get the uh, the intercontinental travel. Right. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and so, even if you see some of the uh, summer holiday demand return, it will be for for much shorter uh, journeys, uh, particularly probably within within Europe, if that. Yeah. So that's one of the major things that could still derail this slightly over the summer months. Obviously, we haven't really finished the refinery rebalancing that we were all looking for. I mean, it's certainly in the east, uh, the market has been helped by some pretty large temporary shutdowns. I mean, you know, obviously the Philippines has got all, both of its refineries are now offline, one temporarily, one permanently. Australia's got, you know, several that are down. New Zealand is down. Uh, some plants in Japan affected by the earthquakes. And, you know, probably more interestingly is this is the rapid plant in Malaysia still not back and looking like it may be down for longer coming at the same time as the delays to Alzur. So, you know, that overhang in Asia Pacific maybe isn't as bad as everybody feared it is going to be, but it's it's not going away. I mean, it's just that reckoning has been delayed more than anything else. Um, you know, how how do we expect that to, to, to be something that's a factor for this year or next year? I mean, I do think that, um, like you mentioned, right, Rob, um, the delayed restarts um, of rapid, um, the delayed startup of Alzor will definitely help um, with um, the overcapacity that we're seeing in the region. But um, I would say in the short term, what would be more worrisome is, you know, given that the conversion units in Asia, right, be it for FCC and for hydrocrackers, um, both of these have been um, flying well above um, the five-year historical range. So um, what we're expecting is that these units um, are probably already running at their max rates um, across Asia at the moment. So it would be interesting to see how the refiners deal with it going forward, especially during the turnaround months, to see whether they'll be tempted to raise their crude runs um, in the near term, which for me, um, I think would be the one factor 
um, that could really derail the progress that we've seen um, in the Asian product market so far, right? Um, but well, at the same time, on the demand side of things, we're still not seeing um, massive improvement outside of um, China and India. And to be honest, even within India, um, with the record high retail prices, we're seeing that um, domestic demand has come under pressure. Um, just today, we've seen that the prelims figures for February um, have come in you know, um, pretty much as we had expected, um, given the pressure in the domestic um, demand. Um, diesel is down 3.5% year over year. Gasoline is growing at its lowest rate um, in recent months at just 1.5%. So that is not good news going forward for the demand side of things, right? Um, whereas for the rest of the region, we're not expecting uh, gasoline demand to return to anywhere close to 2019 figures until we're well into the second half of the year. I mean, we spoke about vaccination programs, um, which I think in the West um, are progressing really well. But in Asia, um, we've just started um, these programs, particularly in you know, um, the ASEAN countries. I would, um, I would just like to stress that where incidentally, um, these countries um, such as Indonesia happen to be um, you know, the biggest um, net product importers in the region. So without um, good progress in the government's vaccination program, we will unlikely be able to see demand recover meaningfully. And um, from where we're standing right now, it doesn't look like that is going to be um, happening anytime soon until we're wear towards the um, latter part of the year. So it sounds like you're looking for a second wave. I do think that there's still some room for um, rationalization. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Particularly, um, I think, um, you know, for especially for um, the smaller teapots in China. Um, I think Northeast Asia for now is fine because um, refineries have been um, very much disciplined in terms of keeping their run rates low. Um, we did see um, stronger runs um, seasonally over winter, right? But even then, um, in Korea, it has come in lower than what we had expected. Um, whereas in China, you know, the country itself is facing overcapacity at the moment. And increasingly, um, the state-owned majors are having to compete with your um, super integrated um, independent refineries like Rongsheng, Hengli. Um, and on the other hand, you also have the smaller teapot companies, which are going to be increasingly squeezed um, in their margins and also, you know, selling into the domestic um, products market. So um, that could be the one sector of the market where we could see um, rational capacity rationalization coming in earlier um, than we had expected. Yeah, Kun, any last thoughts? Because uh, I think Europe is obviously the place where we think we we'd get more rationalization. But uh, do, is this a realistic expectation, or what? What do you think? It is, but it will be more of a end end year uh, or twenty twenty story. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, twenty twenty two. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, so it basically and to, to rate that that now the. Um, uh, restocking needs to happen in, uh, in gasoline in the U.S. It will uh, buoy uh, gasoline cracks in, in Europe. Um, at these rates, nobody is going to at least relent uh, any of their market share. 
Um, and refiners have, have proven now for months that they're very happy to, to run at suboptimal rates. Um, this, and this can probably last until the, at least until the end of the summer, until the strength in U.S. gasoline wanes. Um, by that time, we will probably see again some talks pop up about uh, refiners considering to, to shut some of their capacity. But history has shown that in Europe, that's such a drawn out process that you're easily looking at um, uh, winter shutdowns or, or uh, early you know, 2022. If yeah, that. easily. easily. Yeah. I mean, we've got stuff that was announced to be shut down that's still running right now. Exactly. So, you know, um, and the bottom line is, is most things the refiners are trying to avoid are the, uh, are big capital expenditures, not so much, you know, losses uh, in the, in the way, in the way we're thinking of it. So it's only when they run up against that need to spend a lot of money to stay in business that they, do they really tend to pull the plug. Anyway, look, guys, thank you very much for, uh, for a really insightful conversation about the, the market here. And I think, uh, I think we'll all be within a couple months in to change our tune about things as, as the latest, uh, surprise knocks us back and forth in the products market. But, uh, certainly it's one that's, uh, I think going to be a very interesting summer with a lot of, uh, potential for disruption given the change that were, the big changes we're expecting in the demand patterns from today, uh, supply being very strong. And, uh, and the ongoing challenge of dealing with this excess capacity that really hasn't been fully resolved yet.